This is Mick Gray of DC Comics. You're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us we have Ross with his battle ring. Hi. <laughs> we have CBS hoping to not find crispy charred bodies. Outside the front door, because it, it smells a lot. Walking it, and it's gross. You have no idea, man. Me and Luke Skywalker, buddy, we're the only ones that know. You get home and you think you're going to get tasty burnt meat, and no. It's your aunt and uncle. Which is still gross. And we have Rob, who's waiting for a chicken duck monster. Waiting in the bushes of love. Hi. Chicken, chicken duck it's a weird thing to look for in the bushes. It comes after you. You're just going by the bushes of love, and all of a sudden there's a chicken duck monster thing. What are the bushes of love? That's what do you mean, question. what are the bushes of love, Ross? <laughs> the bushes you love in. It's a surprise, and I hear they care <laughs> after your face. Not the bushes, but the chicken What's duck What's waiting monster. in the bushes? Yes. I think we can make a horror movie off of this. Pretty easily. That could be the title. What's waiting in the bushes? Next summer. I think, isn't that a, is that not a movie? It should I be. I don't know. I, be. I don't think What's Waiting in the Bushes is in the movie. It's a good it's idea a for a name. Yeah. Trademark copyright. Trademark copyright. All right. So, uh, God. <sighs> that was butchery. What's that? Hacking, slashing, and whacking? What's that? Butcher Pete? Yeah, Butcher Pete. There you go. Hacking, the slashing, and whacking? <laughs> yeah. Chop that meat. That's, that's right. This stuff is all going to be chopped out. <laughs> no, no. No, no, it's not. It's like <laughs> All right. Uh, so, oh God, we're doing episode number... God, isn't it 79? Ross? I have no clue. Damn it, Ross. I know it's not 80. Here, hang on. Hang that's on. We'll historic. figure it out. 77? 300. Um, no, no, not yet. Over 9,000! We, we rebooted back to number one? No. no. Issue zero. Oh my god. It could be. <laughs> DC's about to do it, so why not? Yeah. It's Top 5 Comic Rebirth! Curtis will hate that name. He's going to be so pissed because he'll be on the title of everything. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it's episode 77. I'm waiting for confirmation. Episode 75 was the last one that was. So 76. Oh, so you could just come with a 76 there, Ross. Sorry. All right, everyone. Well, those of you playing at home, <laughs> uh, this will be episode number 76. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. Ah, so that was so much work to get to that number. Yeah. You think somebody <laughs> would plan ahead just once? I, I thought we were much further ahead. Yeah, we yeah, obviously. I thought we were getting close to the historic 80. Yeah, well, that's... A number that DC Comics will never get to again. Yeah. Well, or Marvel, for we, that matter. Well, we do. We got the, the jumping forward of Detective and Action. Oh, we will get to issue a thousand. And then after that, yes. we'll call it. <laughs> Cancel everything. <laughs> Everything's done. Hope you like the movie, so that's all you're going to get. Mm. <laughs> Uh, and if those things are questionable to you, good luck. Uh, Alright, so, and I'll be in 3D, and it won't well, be good 3D. You know, this was funny. I actually heard somebody on the radio today complaining about the superhero genre, 
And so somebody was trying to explain to them, like, how you can tell when a genre has gone too far and it's going to end. And they were like, yeah, usually when you get to the point where you have, like, kind of sad, sarcastic, broken hero characters, that's, that's when, like, the Western era died. Because people were just tired of Westerns, right? And so they were thinking that that might be what it is for comics, too. Mm-hmm. But then the expert guy comes on and he's like, yeah, no, because we're getting that in the middle. Like, there is no way of telling no. when it's going to die. Mm. Think about Deadpool, man. No. Yeah. Come on, now. No, you I, described half the Marvel Universe. Exactly. Well, it's true. I mean, that was the whole idea is Marvel, Marvel's heroes with problems. Yeah. So, uh, I, I say, you know, for people who don't want superhero movies to continue, I, I guess just don't watch them, but... Yeah, and they're great movies, so it's really on you. I don't know why I went there. I'm sorry. I think I think when we start hitting bad superhero movies, then we'll start questioning things. Oh, so you're saying Jonah Hex? So we're on a downward spiral. <laughs> well, I forgot about that. <laughs> All actually. right then. Oh, you shut your mouth in the back. <laughs> well, as long as Marvel doesn't hit bad movies, we'll be we'll be okay. Yeah, I that's okay. Yeah, well. Warner Brothers. I don't know. Wow. Oh. I don't know. All right. Well, that's like the good block, bad block scenario. That's true. true. Poodle block, poodle block. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you know what that's about, then you're awesome. Good good for you. Yep. Uh, bonus points. All right. Uh, so for those of you who follow along at home, uh, today we're going to be doing Dark Side War Special Number 1. It's justly Dark Side War Special Number 1. I think mm. that's the whole title. Yeah. Black Panther Number 1. Uh, Empress Number 1 uh, from the Marvel imprint of Icon. So independent comics, um, Superman number fifty-one, and Poe Dameron number one. And we have a uh, interview with uh, Scott Koblish of Deadpool fame from the uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con. That's where I was at. Okay, uh, so we'll play that a little bit later in the episode. All right, well, let's go start start out with some news from Ross and the Dog Pile. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Probably your first huge thing in news was we got the trailer for Star Wars Rogue Squadron. That's true. If you haven't seen it, you really should. Is it called Rogue Squadron or is it called Rogue One? It's called Rogue, it's Rogue One. One. Okay, yeah, sorry. I messed that up. No, it's okay. Rogue One. It's cool. <laughs> Everybody gets one, Ross. Yep. Darn it. What's that mean when I do it again, it's though? so early in the year, you're screwed, buddy. Darn it. So Star Wars Rogue One, uh, first trailer. It looks, it looks awesome. Cool, yeah. Yeah, it does. It's good stuff. I want to say they dropped back on Monday, so about a week and a half now. Mm-hmm. Was it really that long ago? I, it was either Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember what day it came out. I think it was yesterday, actually. Uh, I don't know about that. Either way, you're right. Yeah, it was. It, it was pretty recently, but regardless, it doesn't matter when it's it dropped. A it's a trailer, trailer so yeah. no, it, and it looks fantastic. I mean, really, mm. it does. So it's good. Uh, Watch it if you haven't, I guess. Yeah, it's true. There's not a lot to say about it without... No, yeah, just watch the trailer. Yeah, once once again, of course, you know, if you're following this stuff, this is not episode eight. No. So... It's, it's, it's one of the first... Uh, side movies. Side movies, yeah. yeah. Takes just, place just before New Hope. Crazy. Something I never thought would happen. No, yeah. I, I don't think any of us did, really. Yeah. Hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if... It's funny to think of Star Wars as period pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, how weird, yeah. But it'll be interesting to see if they can make 
it a period piece, and it doesn't look like episode seven. It looks like episode three point one. Yes. Yeah. Three point five. Three point five. Yeah. There you go. Because I mean, yeah. I think that was a big complaint of the prequels is that they look too shiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Compared too to four, five, and six, well, and sophisticated. They, they kind of like dumbed it down towards the end of episode three. So well, they're trying to make up for lost time. Bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense to me that 4, 5, and 6 is so gritty because everything is... supposed to be a wreck by then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I guess that works. It's all right. I read something that was interesting about this. Hmm. I wonder how they're going to market this movie. Because I'm sure you'll have all kinds of people confused that this isn't episode 8. They're going to do a weird side movie in the middle. That doesn't make any sense. And... If people will still see it as much as other Star Wars movies or not. I'm hoping, because now in the trailer you do see Mon Mothma. Mm. And I'm hoping that when you see Mon Mothma, that if you watch the other movies, you're like, hang on, the only way this makes sense is if it's in the past. Which may be why she's in the trailer in the first place. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get it, well, you know, it'll be like Superman Returns, and maybe it'll be the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they do, they do give us the, the building of the Death Star, which should be another clue. Of course, right. That's true. It's hard to say. I, I guess the nice thing would be to have that old Carrie Fisher line in there, where it's or my Mothma maybe. It, I don't remember who says it, but many Bothans died because of these plans. My Mothma. Says my that. Mothma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be nice to have that as an over at the beginning of the trailer. Maybe everybody wonders oh, what people. the hell those things are. The Bothans. I'm surprised we haven't seen a Bothan. Because they are a race in Star Wars. Yeah. Sure they are. Sure they are. <laughs> I think there's a lot of Star Wars races we haven't seen. Yeah, all right, then. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Lando. Weird Panther Cat twins. They were in... Okay, from the Land- Lando miniseries. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought you were talking about Lando. I was no, like, wait a, a second. <laughs> Although he is a smooth criminal. I mean... <laughs> Now he's, uh, now he's an unanswered cr- uh, question in the Star Wars lore, because, you know, no mention of him in, in 7. That's because he's Finn's dad. Come on now. We're not he's supposed not to be seeing Finn's him in dad. 8. Which makes sense, because it's Empire again. Really? Awesome. He's not supposed to be in 8, either? No, he's supposed to be in 8. Oh, okay. The talk is he'll be in 8. Now, is I, that because of just random nonsense? I mean, who knows? Uh, there, there hasn't been any news about him about Billy D being right, connected so to eight. Don't mark your calendars, I guess. I'm actually really surprised that like, he wasn't in seven at all, just because of how much Star Wars stuff he still does. Like That's true. he voiced himself in all the robot chicken specials and he voiced himself in Rebels and maybe it's just because he just want doesn't want to be I don't know, I haven't seen him act in anything recently. Maybe he just wants to do voice work and not be You know, I don't know that. That's a good question. Interesting. Good question. If any other know Billy D get some answers. Maybe there is a big plan for Billy D. Maybe, maybe, maybe he is Finn's father. Giant plot point, yeah. He's not Snoke. Oh. <laughs> that, that would be Stupid. the twist. That would be a hell of a twist. Stupid. That's I guess a lot of Snoke people shakes <laughs> off his mask and Billy D. Williams. <laughs> What is it? M. Night Shyamalan says? What a twist! What a twist. Yeah. Sorry, continue. No, stupid. It's enough of that. God. Speaking speaking of relation stuff, though. Okay. I guess people are trying to say that the main character of Rogue One is Ray's is related to Ray from the new movies because they look a lot alike. Just because they're both attractive ladies doesn't mean they're related. But that's, I think, I think that's the thing, is that they're you like... You know what? Okay, I got, you went in a giant circle, and that's what Hollywood gives us. If she's the mother, and Luke's the father, bang a rang, Rufio. 
that make sense? No? Is that the wrong way to use that line? Uh, yes. I think that's probably fine. I think every, I think every way is probably the wrong way to use that line. <laughs> true. Take, take that. Bang a rang. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Jeez. What other news is there, Ross? Other news. Um, DC has started a new imprint called Young Animal. Yes, sir, they have. Being fronted by Gerard Way. Gerard Way. My Chemical Romance. My Chemical Romance and Umbrella Academy. Um, Real Life Adventures of these Killjoys. Issue 5 of Spider-Verse. So, guys been around a minute, and if you haven't read uh, on the uh, Umbrella Academy, you really should, because it's fantastic. Yeah, he's actually got some pretty that's, good writing skills. And yeah, that's some kind of important to know, because I, I think a lot of the press is just saying, My Chemical Romance guy, right, doing comics, yeah. but he actually, he's been doing a lot of comics before this. It's yeah, not like... he's, he's done a few different series, yeah. So it's, it's not it's not a first, but yeah, I can see what you're saying, that they slap the letter head on there, and they're like, oh, it's the first time. It's interesting, is it's supposed to be for a mature audience. I think their tagline is, is Comics for Dangerous Humans. I mean, that's at least something that's floating around with it. I don't know how much that'll stay. It just seems weird that they're starting a new imprint to me a little bit after New 52 was supposed to be the big convergence of all their... Yeah. I mean, for a while they thought about getting rid of Vertigo and that didn't work out so well for them. I mean, a lot of the characters shifted gears. I mean, Swamp Thing's in regular 52 or regular universe. So is Constantine. So is Animal Man. They were all... Vertigo characters before. Now the mm. Vertigo line is a lot more separate, less superhero-y. Mm. More, I don't know, grit, magic, whatnot. Horror stuff a Horror little stuff, bit. yeah. I think this is kind of be similar to, you know, Marvel's got Icon, so maybe this is supposed to, Marvel has Max. I don't think this is going to be like Max, which is extreme for the sake of extreme. I guess we'll have to, well, until it actually comes out, we won't have any idea what it's going to be. Mm. But as far as gear is concerned, I mean, if you think about Marvel, Marvel's got Marvel Max. And then they have Icon. So if Icon's like Vertigo, then Young Animal would be like Max, I guess. Hmm. Maybe. What's really interesting to me is the titles they're doing. So we got Doom Patrol, which is going to be written by Gerard. And, I mean, I can see a feel from that kind of like Umbrella Academy. I mean, it's hmm. a team book, so I can see that a little bit. Yeah. And he says it's supposed to follow some of what Grant Morris did. So and we already know, if, if you don't know this, The Chemical Romance and Grant have an interesting connection somehow. I mean, Grant appears in a bunch of their videos in the last album they put out. So, if you didn't know the evil bald guy, that's Grant Morris from the video, from the videos. From the fabulous Killjoy videos. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, other books coming out. They've they got four titles they're launching with. Uh, the next one's, I mean, it's, it's a new one. So we got Mother, uh, Mother Panic. And it's supposed to be a new character in Gotham. Whether married to Batman or not, no idea yet. I mean, there's a bat symbol in the background, but is that because it's Gotham? I don't, I don't remember what the write-up said, but the look through it's pretty crazy. So you got that one to look forward to, which I think is probably going to be more like what they did with uh, Gotham by Midnight, maybe. But focusing on a new character. Huh. Uh, then from there, um, we have Shade the, Shade the Changing Girl. Oh, we're going to try that again, huh? Yeah, um... The write-up included something about an alien in a girl's body. And okay. I don't remember Shade the Changing Man. I remember him dying and the death vest just rang him back. And, and he was uh, different when he came back. The vest was alien in origin, I think. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Yeah. But either way, we're going to get a Shade the Changing Girl. So we'll see how that works out. Um, and then the one that... 
I'm more excited for it than I should be. We got Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. I assume that's the entire title. That looks oh. like the title to me, yeah. Because Cave Carson does have a cybertronic eye. And why does he? Never explained. Mm. So, I think that'll be interesting. Yeah, Cave Carson, that's that's going old school. Uh, yeah, it's digging back to, like, Golden Age stuff, man. Yeah. So Which, I mean, I, I guess you can kind of argue with that with all three of these titles, so... Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. Doom Patrol's not... I guess they were they, around they, then, too. They've, long, tried, yeah. they've tried to activate the Doom Patrol a few times recently in, in the New 52. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Shade was a part of the Justice League Dark... And it was funny because, you know, he was so crazy, and then Vampire showed up, and he's like, I can't rationalize vampires. And that's when he's out. He's like, yeah, yeah. vampires are real? No, I'm out. Talking to his girlfriend who's made out of wax? That's fine. <laughs> but Vampires? Vampires? That's, that's where I draw the line with my shade jacket. <laughs> I, so, so we'll see, you know. Doom Patrol, I don't know, it could be, could be handled really well. I actually really like the Doom Patrol. Grant had a few runs, I think, on Doom Patrol. And there was a few of them I liked and a few I really didn't like, so Really yeah. quick, didn't uh didn't Doom Patrol show up in Forever Evil? Wasn't that where We did see two we members sh- of the Doom Patrol, and I actually think those were members that Grant had created. One of them was the uh the girl with the like a uh, gorilla guy. Yeah, because they weren't I remember they weren't ones that I recognized from yeah. the- it's interesting. Doom, yeah, the Doom Patrol pretty much had had a bunch of just broken members over time, and mm-hmm. some of them did make their appearance during during Grant's time. But like the core unit is usually Robot Man, Mister Negative, Elongated Girl, and the Chief. But we've had you know, Minto, and we've had the character with the gorilla, and we've had like Fire Producer guy, and we've had. Mm-hmm. Well, talk-wise, you're saying this particular series is only going to feature the from the classic characters, Robot Man. Okay. Um, and Flex Mantello, he's supposed to be in it too. But huh. as far okay. as the picture's concerned, the only characters I really recognize are those two. I mean, we, we've got a girl lead on top, but I can't tell who she is. I don't think yeah. she's been named. And like a cat-faced guy in the picture. Hmm. Uh, there's an image out for it with the logo, but. Hmm. So these are supposed to be separate things, right, from regular DC continuity? You know, we don't know yet. That's a good question there, Ross. So I wonder is if this Doom Patrol will tie in somehow, or if it's just they're letting them do their own thing. I have a feeling it depends on how popular they are. Yeah. If they do really, really well and it finds a a big popularity, then I'd be surprised if we didn't have them expand into the regular continuity of things. But I think the way they're going about it, at least from having it have its own imprint, makes me think that it's going to be separate, kind of like Vertigo used to be. I think that's a smart idea, too. Sink or swim, then I guess it doesn't kill everything else. Yeah, you let it do its own thing instead of... Yeah, I, I feel like this is exactly them going for a Max imprint. Yeah, me too. Because with Max, basically, if something worked, then it became continuity. And if it didn't work, no, oh, it was Marvel Max. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. So, the Punisher stuff did that, yeah. Yeah. That's true, that's a good point. That may very well be what it is. Either direction, I think it'll be awesome. At least part of it will be great. I mean, it'd be good to see Gerard in a book again, yeah. and a team book. It would be nice to get the third volume of uh, Umbrella Academy. I mean, Ho- Hotel Hell, I think, is what the title's been spoke around the internet, and mm. random closed circles. Hotel, yeah, Hotel Hell, that's what it is. Well, that's what it's been called. 
So I think it'd be really cool if we actually got that. But as far as books are concerned, yeah, Doom Patrol needs another run. That's cool. Well, I mean, if we can have uh, what Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy have a team up, I don't see why we can't have the uh, Doom Patrol and the Umbrella Academy. That'd be awesome. That's a very good possibility. That'd be cool. That would I, be cool. I guess it would depend on contract. Because wasn't mm. Umbrella Dark Horse? So yeah, Umbrella is Dark Horse. So he probably controls that. You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know how who owns what in that whole system of things. Yeah. I think Dark Horse does have a bunch of creator own. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, there's I definitely creators that. that are solely there, but that's a good question. May, it, it, that would be a pretty interesting cross, though, because the, all the characters from from the Umbrella Academy could fit in a Doom Patrol-style yeah, world. Yeah, they, they'd make sense to me. They would, yeah. That would be really cool. It would be crazy. Man. That would be... That'd be neat to see. That'd be pretty interesting. I do like that idea. All right. Well, any other news there, Ross? I think that's all I have, man. You know, I don't really think I saw much much else going on in the universe this, this particular week. I, I could be wrong about that, but that was the biggest thing that really popped off, that and the one trailer from before, so... Yeah. All right. Well, since that's pretty much all we got this week for, uh... Well, news that, I don't know, I guess we think matters. God. Um, let's move into some books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. So, Ross, you want to tell us a story about the uh, the Dark Side War special? Yeah, Dark Side War special. So, this is spinning straight out of Justice League that's going on right now, and the Dark Side War has been going on for a little bit now. Um, the book is written by Jeff Johns and has a whole line of awesome artists working on it. Um, Ivan Reyes, Phil Jimenez, uh, Paul... Pelletier, I think you say. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but yeah, it's close. Uh, Joe Prado, and then, uh, I don't know the first name of the last two guys, unfortunately, but it's Cordos and Sinclair. Huh. But uh, really cool book. He, they definitely pulled in a ton of their art, like their big art people from previous Justice League and big events. Uh, so Phil Jimenez has worked with a lot of Justice League, and I, I think he did a couple of the pretty big events, too. And Ivan Reyes and Joe Prado are, like, his big go-to Brightest Day, Blackest Night, Aquaman, Justice League. They were all the uh, artists for that. So it's a really, really good lineup of people working on this. The story starts out uh, from a scene from Justice League where Volthoom has taken over Jessica Cruz's body. So Volthoom is Power Ring. He is he's the he's being the, inside the, being the ring. Inside the ring for Power Ring. And basically how Power Ring works is it needs a body and Volthoom basically takes over that body. Right. So you would know him from being the Earth 3 Hal Jordan. Mm. Is who well, who we saw him last as. And uh in the book he's completely taken over Jessica Cruz at this point. Like she is not there at all. When Power Ring from the other Earth was there, he was at least still kind of there. He just let Volthoom kind of do whatever he wanted. And at this point, she's, like, not there consciously at all. Um, Volthoom's the only one talking, and it's crazy. So then you go inside her head, basically, or inside the ring, maybe? I want to say it's it's her consciousness inside the ring is the way I, the way I read it. And crazy splash page of... You find out are all the souls of people who had previously worn the ring that Volthoom has taken control of. Right, a collection of souls. Um, bunch of different, bunch of different characters, a bunch of different 
alien types and presumably all from Earth 3 at this point. I mean, save for mm. Jessica because she's the only one from our reality. Yeah. So maybe that's what the difference is going to wind up being. But nevertheless, there's legions of people in there, characters in there. So the Green Ring's been around for a freaking while. Mm. And they're they're telling her who they are. They're these previous people that wore the ring. And they're like, there's no chance for us, but there's a chance for you still because you're still alive. And you hear a voice from behind her say, don't listen to them. There's no chance for you. And you flip the page and it is Power Ring from Earth 3. Hell Jordan. Yeah. Um, and he is trying really, really hard to convince her that there is no chance at all that she can survive that. You split away from that story and you get to um Marina. Grail? Oh yeah. Who is who is in this cave and and uh I wanna say it's Grail. Oh no, it is Marina that's talking. Right. And Marina is uh Grail's mom and the Amazon assassin that was hunting Darkside. Dark Side, yep. Who also is Grail's father? Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, kind of crazy. And she has an awesome griffin, which is cool. <laughs> um, but she comes upon Grail sitting in the middle of this cave with this crazy ball of orb. Like a ball of orb. Crazy <laughs> ball floating in front of her. Like a ball of light, yeah. And you don't really know exactly what she's doing, but it, it seems like she's performing some sort of ritual yeah. of some sort. She's got all kinds of writing on her body. Mm-hmm. Like crazy. I didn't know if those were tattoos that were there before or if that was something that she had done. I think it's something for this ritual. Gotcha. Um, and you then you find out Grail and Marina's backstory. And basically what had happened was that, uh, as we learned in Wonder Woman, we had been told the whole time that Wonder Woman was made of clay, but... It turns out that that was just the lie that they spread, and that Wonder Woman was actually Zeus's daughter. Um, Zeus and Hippolyta. So the mother is still the mother, but rather than mother making her from clay, she's natural the, birth. With, yeah. Um, and so supposedly she was only natural birth there but we, we all i think didn't they even explain that in previous wonder woman too? yeah that's been ironed out through the previous batch of wonder woman stories yeah basically there's there's a lot of conspiracy on the mascara lots of stork stories yep but <laughs> but she wasn't the only child born that day yeah and you find out that marina also had grail on that exact same day and not only that but somehow she witnessed Hippolyta giving birth to Diana, to Wonder Woman. So you'd have to assume that that means Grail's a, a little bit older, just by time. Yeah. But not by... Yeah, it was supposed to be the same day they were both born, apparently. And they talk about how Hippolyta had all this nice stuff when she gave birth, and, and Marina had to sneak off to the Forbidden Area to, to have birth so that no one knew that she had a daughter. Right. Um... And because of this story, you find out that Grail's kind of always had a problem with Wonder Woman growing up and hearing and hearing about how they, uh, well, I guess, sorry, I'm skipping ahead of myself here. The Amazons catch Marina seeing well, they find that. find out that Marina saw the, saw whatever was happening. Now, granted, they don't entirely give us a picture of what, what she saw, but we believe it's the birth of Diana. 
because that's what the setup is. Mm. Now, whether that's all she saw, who knows? They even mentioned that later on that Grail's never really been told what totally happened that night. Or did that come out of my mouth right? Or did I slur those all together? I think it made sense. Grell was never told the full story, apparently. So there may be something else hidden in there that we don't know yet. Mm. But as far as what's been given to us, uh, yeah, she saw the birth, and that's what shocked, that, that's what she saw. And then she got caught seeing that, which caused other problems. Yeah, it led to the Amazons basically chasing Marina out of... Well, I chased her out of Athemiscara, and she had to retreat to the world of man. Yeah. That's part of what Grail... Any, any hatred Grail really has comes from being exiled. Well, sort of. She seems like she was... Uh, she was already an angry baby. Yeah, she was already a, a dangerous child. And that's kind of one of the next things you find out, is that Grail, because she was Darkseid's daughter, she would just, like, randomly have these outbursts of murder, basically, where she would just kill everything that she could possibly kill. And I, I think they established this earlier as well. If I'm jumping ahead, I'm sorry. But Marina also had a different take than a lot of the Amazons. The Amazons were supposed to defend the world from war. And um, after they were defeated and imprisoned, they they left Amazon Island and they stopped protecting the world. Mm. Well, they left the world and went to live on Themyscira Island. Yeah, there was they this, were already this... there as part of it, but they re, they went went to the hidden island afterwards and cast off man, and mm. the world of man. Yeah, there was some kind of like imprisonment thing before. Well, that. yeah, yeah. The, before the what made them leave like in general was the way they were mistreated is why they abandoned the yeah. world of man. Mm. Yeah, but uh, but she. Was like no, you know, we this is what we were designed for. We were supposed to protect the world from war, and so to an extent, that's why she actually has Grail. Mm. It's cause she realized that he was the like he was he was the 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 aspect of war that couldn't be stopped. Sorry, anyways. Continue. Oh, okay. That actually, I didn't realize that. That makes a lot more sense. You're talking about Darkseid being the element of war that can't be stopped. Yes. Not Grail. Grail's the dog. No, no. She she basically bred some a weapon that she thought she could use against Darkseid because because she thought she saw the threat that he could be one day. So that's why she has Grail. To that's great. Okay, that makes more sense. I was really confused why, like, how that even happened. If it was like some sort of trickery or something, but that like, makes a lot more sense. She, she basically was like, any sacrifice is worth it. Gotcha. Even that sacrifice. Jeez. Okay, that makes a lot more sense then. Um, and so yeah, so you find out that Baby Grail it just will kill everything basically. Um, most of the time with Omega Beams, it looks like, out of her eyes. <laughs> yeah. Just like Dark Side. And you also find out that as she gets older, she has nightmares of Dark Side, basically. And she'll wake up and also try to kill things again. Yeah. Including her mother at one point. Which is crazy. Um, but her mother, it says that her mother never was violent or angry towards her or anything, and, and she always tried to do the right thing for her, regardless of her having these problems. Yeah, she always tried to, to coddle Grail and show her a different way. Mm. It's kind of the odd part of the uh, the Amazons, is that they, they're all very warlike, but they preach peace. Mm. And so it's the same for how Grail was raised. And the other interesting thing about how Grail was raised was that Marina showed her all the Amazon ways still and held her by Amazon rules even though 
she wasn't part of the Amazons anymore. And you'd think there would be more resentment there, but it doesn't seem like there really is. It doesn't seem like Marina really has resentment towards the Amazons, just Grail does. Or maybe that's just me, but that's what I got from the yeah. story. Um, but you go on to find that they were searching for the Eye of the Witches. That yeah. would, what, would it let them see the future? Was that what you were getting from it, too? Yeah, there was a, there's a Greek story. Um, I think it's even done in Clash of the Titans, where there was the three witches that shared the one eye and they could see the future. It's actually, it? they, they wrote about it in, uh, Shakespeare wrote about it in Macbeth. Mm -hmm. but. And they've, they've played with that before. Uh, supposedly, three of these witches are locked up somewhere under Argus with oh, an eye crazy. as well, so that they can sometimes get a, a, a thought ahead. But yeah, this witch had killed the other sisters and has just the one eye. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they were looking for that future side eye so that they could uh, like game plan, I guess, for Dark Side. Mm -hmm. That sounds right, yeah. And if I remember right, that's where Grail first learns about the Anti Monitor. Yeah, yeah. But she saw stuff that her mom didn't see. Or at least we think. Did the, I don't think the mom actually saw anything, right? It's all just been through Grail, and Grail's just told the mom what she wants to tell her, not the whole story, basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, she's doing this ritual, and it's kind of crazy because she says how the griffin always had a problem with her. Um, kind of the backstory is the mom told Grail that, what was it, that she fought the griffin, and the griffin... Uh, is obedient to her. He respects her or something. Well, there was, there, she wasn't saving the Griffin. And the Griffin, it's like life, that kind of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's not, yeah, the way the way the Griffin works is that she saved it at one point, and now at this point it's 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 her protector, regardless of who it's against, mm. even if it's against, against Grail. So the Griffin, the pieces they show us of that is the Griffin sleeping between the two of them and constantly being awake watching Grail. Hmm. Because, of course, animals don't trust things that are evil, and Grail's evil. Yep. Take that, Grail. <laughs> That's what you get. Nice name. <laughs> but as she's doing uh, this crazy ritual, it, she says it has something to do with the first man that was on Themyscira. Yeah, there's, there's a prophecy about what the first man means to Themyscira and the world at, at large. But, yeah, we'll be... Secrets and Mysteries. Yeah, we might leave that out. Yeah. Just in case. Um, and then, towards the end of this, we finally get back towards Jessica Cruz and... We get a little more ring. a little more Green Ring stuff. Um, you should wait for it, too, probably. Yeah. Read the book, people. Crazy, crazy twist at the end, but she's still trying to be stopped. Well, of course, yeah. By, uh, Everything's against her. By powering, and she's but she is fighting against it, which is very kind of out of her character from how she started. Yeah, yeah. The so. whole reason the ring picked her is it picks picks people that are weak that it can control, mm. and that's what that Hal Jordan was, opposite of our Hal Jordan. Yeah. So yeah. Jessica fit that same pattern. I mean, she was a shut-in when we first met her, living in her apartment, afraid to go outside, everything boarded up. So that was crazy. That it's, was... it's been really cool, like, looking back after seeing this and kind of thinking back how far she's come from that. Oh, yeah, there's definitely some ground covered between A and B. I mean, as far as when we first see her, it, there's very little of her revealed in there. And basically all we get is a door and a girl inside that will not come out. Mm. 
And I want to say that was around Forever Evil time because that's whenever yeah. Green Ring or Power Ring. Other Power Ring, yeah. Power yeah. Ring bought it. Forever, Forever Evil, happened. he dies in there. Just check that book out. Dude. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. awesome. Yeah, Forever Evil was great. But yeah, there, there's some shades of uh, a f- uh, Final Crisis, I think, at, at the end of this thing. So if you didn't read Final Crisis, check this out. Anyways, if you did read Final Crisis, maybe you, you'll know what I mean when you see it. Well, we will see. Yeah, and actually, I got... It was probably a lot of the artwork in it, mm. but whenever we saw the inside of Power Ring, it reminded me a lot of Blackest Night. Yeah, there's some similarities there, too. Mm. The only thing that throws me off, and I, I I wonder this now, those of us who read Vive know that inside the zoo, they had the daughter of a dark side. Mm. Is that Grell? Or does he have another daughter? I I bet it probably was. It actually hadn't even been leading up to that since like the very start of the New Fifty Two. Hmm. That the, the daughter of Darkseid. It was in the end of Justice League, I think. I want to say the very first run, the very first arc of Justice League. They talk about the daughter of Darkseid. So do it. And then they pull it up again in Vibe. Yeah. I'm sure it's probably this. That's Grail. I had always assumed it was gonna be. Uh, Oh, shoot, I forgot her name now. The girl with the guns, the god killer guns. Oh, um, it was going to be Pandora. Yeah. Okay, Ross, score the book, go. I would give it a three and a half out of five. The art was awesome, and it was a crazy story, but it was a lot of, like, uh, not filler story, but a lot so you could connect the dots, basically. Revelation-type story, where right. where there wasn't a lot happening, but there was a couple of really important things that happened in it. Important reveals will be revealed and reviewed in other books, probably. Probably. But without reading this book, then you don't know how it makes sense. And I would, I would recommend that you probably read a couple issues of current Justice League, like the couple issues before this, to make a lot of sense of what happened. I mean, you can read it, and it makes sense just to read it, but to really get the scope of what's going on, it would be good to read a couple of issues before and probably forever evil just because forever evil was awesome take take that <laughs> readers at home <clears throat> good job ross <laughs> all right so i you know i give it a three and a half also i mean the book's pretty good like you said it is some connect the dot stuff um there's pretty interesting stuff going on with uh with uh powering and i think uh in this book the powering stuff maybe i'm gonna say it's a little more important especially leading to this whole rebirth with her taking over the Green Lantern book and being the main character, I think part of this is going to iron out how she's effectively able to do that. So whether we tell it, meh, who knows. But I think those parts will be more important for that particular book. As far as the rest of the Grail stuff, I mean, yeah, it's connecting dots between different things that have happened in past and present, but mm. I think the Green Ring storyline, probably more important if you're a Green Lantern fan than the Grail storyline. That may just be me. I hate everything. Uh, Rob, score for the book. You know, actually, I'm going to give it a little bit higher. I, I'd give it a four. I enjoyed the book a lot. It was great to see some more background on Grail and on, on Winthrill, and I, I like having the Power Ring story on it. I think there's a lot of cool things that are going to come out of this, but if you are reading the Justice League story, this is definitely one to go out and get. It's not just kind of a cool extra, I think it's going to have a really important stuff for the storyline. 
And along with that, I mean, Justice League, it's probably one of the stronger stories from the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's totally a worthwhile buy. If you've just been checking out Batman and you're looking for another title, Justice League's been phenomenal, yeah. I think, from the beginning. I totally agree. So, and this Dark Side War is huge. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for Rebirth... I would imagine that this would be the story that is affecting every other book put out right now. I I think so, and actually, I think that Dark Side War is going to be a big part of Rebirth, actually, too. It's, so. it's, it's quite possible that it's going to be the catalyst for that. Mm. But you know, there's a lot of other things coming on, as we'll know when we get to Superman. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, let's move on to Black Panther. It has nothing to do with Superman at all. <laughs> A totally different company. Yes, yes it is. This uh, is number one, by the way. Yes. Rob, well, tell me a story about the Black Panther. <laughs> Black Panther is being written by Tanishi Coates. Um, with art by Brian Stelfries. And uh, Laura Martin's doing the color, actually. Um, At least I think that's how you say that. Laura mm. Martin's? No. <laughs> I was going to say... I think Brian Stelfries. Still, still freeze. No. Tanishi Coates? Tanishi Coates. Tanishi, I think that's how you say it, Tanishi. Yeah, I'm sorry if it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, Black Panther has... He's had a really tumultuous history. He's had a rough time lately. Yes, he has. I mean, Wakanda's been breached, it's been flooded, it's been occupied by an embodiment of death and Thanos. It's Yeah, minions of Thanos. Yeah, uh, you know, and he's been running around killing planets with the um Illuminati. Even his new role as a part of the Ultimates has kept him away from Wakanda. So this story is actually kind of getting us back to Wakanda. Um in the absence of his sister, he's taken over the the mantle of king again. But he can't actively be on the throne. He has a lot of other responsibilities that maybe he doesn't necessarily need to do, but he feels like he needs to, as both protector and king. So he's been allowing his stepmother basically to rule in his stead while he works on things from the shadows and kind of makes appearances here and there. The big thing that's happening in Wakanda right now is somebody is actually amping up the tension between him and his people, causing riots and kind of a, a general hate of him and his and his security. And so one of those th- things that we open up in the story with is him having to take care of a riot at one of the, um, a place called the Great Mound, which is where some of the last remaining vibranium deposits are left in Wakanda. As a vibranium mine? Um, Black Panther has... Black Panther is one of those characters that doesn't really have a whole lot of special powers. A lot of what his stuff is is his suit. He has been changed a little bit over the last few years. One of the big things is that he's become the king of the necropolis as well, which allows him to communicate with spirits of the dead. This also opened up a new ability where he can kind of sense or track people using that same necropolis energy. So he's been trying to trace someone who's been going in and and actually using their own powers to incite more riots and and bring this hatred out of his people. The downside is, he kind of looks like a dictator while he's doing it, because he's using a lot of physical force on people who are being manipulated. Mm. And it's kind of hard to explain that 
you know, I'm doing this for your own good, when they kind of think they're rioting on their own. So, um, as we get into the story, though, we wind up having other political elements going into play. One of the big ones is that he used to have a group of, like, very loyal female bodyguards. And one of them has become, like, a champion of the people, and she's using, like, the political system to kind of help find justice. The other one evidently went and um, did some frontier-style justice on one of the royalty members of Wakanda who was uh, abusing the women in his in his area, his tribe. She warned him, and then uh, when he didn't heed that, she wound up killing him. Which winds up making her become an enemy of Wakanda. Only because of his station in the world, but yeah, it's... It's it's one of those things she did it for the right reasons, but it's not wasn't the right choice. And um the the other bodyguard tries to defend her. And ultimately they have to go through uh, Black Panther's mother, who's kind of the acting dignitary right now. Um and she, she denies it, right? And doesn't understand why she would be trying to fight so hard for this woman. Well, the mother, the mother's position, she feels like they, they, they allow her to get away with it, that it sets the wrong tone and the wrong precedent. So she's, she's dealing with it from a, political like, hard-nosed political stance because of everything else that's gone on. And as far as, like, the defense or whatever, every, everything that she says in the defense of the other, of the other, um, acolyte, Makes sense, and to us reading it, we're like, man, why wouldn't the mom see what's going on? Well, the mom, what the mom is seeing is that it sets a precedence, and she doesn't want to set a precedence that makes murder okay. So, regardless if it was for the right reason, and for a reason to protect other people, at the same time, she doesn't want to sway that direction just because of the precedence it was set for others. And with everything else being a chaotic mess, she's going to be hard-nosed about everything. Which, of course, leads to other stuff. Well, from from there, we uh, we wind up having some more dealings with T'Challa, and we know that he's kind of letting her run the show while he's doing other things, trying to find out the mystery of whoever's inciting these riots. Ultimately, it leads to his other bodyguard breaking back into the palace and kidnapping her and taking some really beefed-up Wakandan technology. And the idea that she has once she, when she frees her her like fellow bodyguard and winding up turned out to be her lover is that Black Panther not being there and not responding to them doesn't have a like like she doesn't think that he cares about them anymore and that their role as his bodyguards no longer matters and that like he's abusing his position right so we wind up having them maybe becoming budding new villains for Black Panther but we wind up having an even bigger secret at the end of this book, which is what's keeping T'Challa from being out and doing all the political stuff that he normally would do. So, the score for the book, Rob? Um, honestly, it's really well done. I'd, I'd give it three and a half. I love the artwork. The storyline, I think, is really good for it. I, it kind of is very set y but... I actually I enjoyed the book. I thought it was good, too. 
Uh, Miss Ross? I'd give it a three, probably. The art was really good, and the story was pretty crazy. Um, I probably would have enjoyed it more if maybe I would have known a little bit more about Black Panther before reading it. But e- even without knowing, it, it did have a lot of setup and, and was a pretty good first issue. So, All right. Um, you know, I give it three and a half also. No, you know, I give it a four. I mean, the story itself, it's got a pretty good lead-in page that gives you a lot of backstory. So if you read the first page, there's a lot of backstory stuff in there that explains what's been happening and all the problems that Wakanda's had ever since the invasion of Thanos and stuff. So that, it's like two paragraphs at, at best, but it's a pretty good setup. And everything else, I mean, the, the hook at the end's pretty good. There's a couple other little teases in the middle, which... I think are pretty interesting yeah. and may lead to much bigger things later on. But the the overall shift, I mean, we get a, get a couple of pieces in there with the the would-be villain that he's chasing. So as far as books are concerned, I mean, I think they're, yeah, it's set up-y, but it's, it's also a first issue, and so they basically drew lines for us as far as who's, who's going to be affected by what. And as far as, like, who's actually the villain, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, it could be his mom, it it could easily turn out to be the two other two other guards. I mean, as far as, like, setup's concerned, he might wind up having to fight all of them. It's true. So. And, and one of the other big things is they had to reestablish Wakanda, because we haven't been there in a long time. And the last few times that we have been there, it's been in siege. So right. Well, either fighting Namor or fighting Thanos or... Yeah. Yeah, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of ground there, too. Pretty good book, though. I mean, as, as far as stories are concerned, I think if you haven't ever read Black Panther... Yeah, there's some stuff you probably won't get, but as far as, like, the overall of it, it's interesting enough that I say it's, it, that it's worth following. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess we'll see where it goes and how it impacts the rest of the world in Marvel, but book-wise, what's going on in this one I thought was pretty interesting. It's got a really cool extra write-up at the end, too, so. Right. All right, so we'll move on to uh, Empress number one. Uh, this is from Icon Comics, uh, written by Mr. Uh, Mark Millar, and... Uh, Stuart uh, Imoni, I believe is how you say the penciler's name. I uh, got a couple of different anchors on it, a few colorists. So, well, I guess there's only one colorist, but nevertheless, bookwise, it's coming out from Icon, uh, which is a Marvel imprint, like I think I said earlier. And I think I think it'd be safe to say this is in the Malarverse. It is, yeah, it's part of the quote-unquote Malarverse. I yeah, it's part of quote-unquote the Malarverse. Uh, so w- the way the book opens up, uh, we have Flash from the beginning of the universe, uh, th- kind of an explanation telling us that this is something that's happened prior to us as a group of people controlling the planet. So, not necessarily dinosaur times, but like it, dawn of time kind of thing. So the group before us that ran the planet, I guess. I, I don't... I'm sure they give a do they give a year thing? Yeah, I think it said like thirty million years ago. I was gonna say sixty five million years ago. Four billion. Oh my gosh. Okay, never years. Four billion. So there's actually a time frame there. There you go. Four billion years ago. Uh, anyway. Uh so we we get a flash into a giant arena and we see that there's technology and dinosaurs and the opening panel we wind up seeing a bunch of pterodactyls flying. And uh what we've entered into seems to be very much like a, I don't know, kind of like a Roman Colosseum, except space-aged. And there's a uh, Barker, and he tells everyone to rise, because here comes the Supreme Leader guy. And he's got a, uh, he's got a very, uh, 
I don't know, like knights in armor look to him, but space knight style. And of course, uh, he tells everyone to, to, to sit. And, uh, we move forward and we find out there's a group of guys that are all chained up in the middle of this arena. And it turns out that the reason they're chained up is because one of their friends was, uh, being outspoken. And even though this group turned him in because they didn't fight each other to kill him, now the ruling class lord has decided that they have to die. Which is pretty extreme. And, uh, of course the audience is all about it or whatever. But, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's very, it's very, uh, I don't know, it's very hard-nosed, man. God. Um, he gives them an option that they can either fight him or they can fight the monster. And, of course, they select to fight the monster, because apparently that's better. But here's where the first real catch comes from the book, because you open up to the next page, and there's, like, the, a middle spread, and you have a giant T-Rex being ridden by a dude. And, uh, at that point, we see blood splatter everywhere. And, uh, the, uh, the king, he gestures to, uh, his, his wife, or the, the, the empress who was just let out, and he's like, for you, my dear. And she's like, oh, thank you. It's great. King must be crazy. Like, he must be super powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If he's if he's the worst of the two choices, a giant T-Rex, which one's worse to fight? And the, the T-Rex also has, like, a luchador-style mask. Oh, which yeah. Which is awesome. Oh, That's yeah. Really cool. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty epic, man. <laughs> anyway, so she... she uh, says, thank you, my husband, and then turns to her bodyguard guy and is like, we gotta get out of here. So, it's pretty clear that whatever's going on, um, she's not exactly a fan of. Uh, so we move from there a little farther forward, and uh, we find out that she's got a plan to escape. And uh, her and her lead protector, who looks kind of, I don't know, he's kind of Obi-Wan Kenobi Han solo Yeah, I, I thought... He looks like a badass. I thought Obi-Wan, yeah. Um, is going to g- help her and the kids escape. Now, what we just found out about the king, the way he persecutes people that just talk bad about him, and even the folks that knew the person that talked bad about him, going against him this way, probably your worst choice. I mean, at this point, you're basically kidnapping or, yeah, kidnapping his wife and his kids. So, even if he is completely crazy, that doesn't help you at all. Like, at all. Um, anyways, we move forward from there, and he's, he, everybody's, everybody in the organization, or in the, uh, hierarchy, is very much their job is their job, if anything doesn't match their job, then they know there's a problem. Uh, so he has to fight off a few guards, which we get this epic crotch kick from it. Oh my god, it's great. (laughs) So he's got her, the queen, disguised as a normal minion type, walking with him, which they automatically know doesn't make sense, the other, other guards. Uh, automatically call it the question because he's never supposed to be more than X number of feet away from the queen. Now, ultimately, he's not, but they don't know it's the queen with him because they're trying to sneak her out. Uh, from there, of course, we see the kids. Uh, grab the kids, then, uh, yeah, the normal chase, and there's a little dispute about who wants to go, who doesn't want to go. Uh, the oldest daughter believes that mom just doesn't love dad anymore, and mom's like, no, dad's freaking crazy. Like, he is crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be here, because he's going to torture you and the boys to be what he wants. And while the daughter seems to want that, because she's the next in line air-wise, I guess, the mother's pretty sure it's not a good idea for her. Anyway, there's some shooting. Uh, Mom gets shot, and, you know, we'll see how that goes. 
then the group have like a blockade run kind of thing, Star Wars style, and we find out there's two younger boys. Uh, so there's three kids all together, at least the ones that we've seen in this particular issue. So uh, as we get to, to the blockade run, our main guy Dane, uh, Dane's the uh, the guard for the queen. Uh, he's a captain in the royal hierarchy, I guess. He pretty well steps on everybody along the way because he winds up running into the blockade captain. The blockade captain has him and their ship at bay, which uh, at this point they've already got space travel. So these four billion years between us and them, interesting that there's no mark of them, and they do make a mention of that at the very beginning in the part of the write-up, uh, which is an interesting setup. Uh, I'm sure by the time we get to the end of this miniseries-wise, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, there's a few more gives, like uh, as far as where the next step's going to be, and you get a little more explanation about the backstory of the queen and the king, and like how the two of them met. So we get that in there. Uh, which is pretty interesting, too. How exactly Dane becomes part of the situation, not entirely sure. Um, of course, at this point, we've just met them all. Uh, so, yeah, there's a little more give it in. They give us a catch of where they're going. And, of course, we already know that King is not real happy about things. And, of course, he wants them all dead. That's pretty much how he does things. He wants his kids back, which is not completely out of the question, I guess. But he is kind of a psychopath, so... How he got there, not entirely sure. I'm sure more of the book will tell us that as it goes. Yeah. <laughs> he he definitely makes a big thing of wanting his son back. Right. He's not so much worried. It doesn't seem like he's worried about the daughter, because the one he calls out is the son. And granted, there's two sons, but there's one that's like an infant, and the other one's, uh, I don't know, maybe in his uh, like elementary school ages, 10, 11 years old, maybe. Anyway, um... Score-wise, you know, I give it a three and a half. I mean, the art's pretty, the art's really good in it. The story's pretty interesting. Mark Millar's got a lot of books that are, that are set up for the, uh, miniseries type thing, and this is that. I mean, it's gonna be a miniseries. It may have more legs after that, and it may be something that turns into a movie, because a lot of the stuff he does becomes movies. And I can see this being like a space opera type thing, and the first start, pretty pulse, pretty pulse racing, because we get going quick. So as far as the setup, we get a setup, but it, it, there's a lot of action in it too. That T-Rex thing is awesome. Uh, so I, uh, I'm pretty interested to read the next book. Score-wise, yeah, I give it three and a half. The Marvels has got some interesting stuff in it. How this connects to Kick-Ass, I don't think it does. But nevertheless, it's four billion years ago. So good luck with that galaxy far, far away. I get a feeling if it's going to connect to anything, it'll connect to Starlight, but I don't even think it'll connect to that. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, Rob's score? Honestly, I, I give it a four. I didn't really anticipate this book being as, as awesome as it is. I When I read the write-up for it, I wasn't as overly happy with it. But, uh, honestly, it's a fantastic story. You know, it, it's, it feels like a great sci-fi adventure. So, I'm happy with it, and I love the artwork for it, so. Right on. Uh, Mr. Roth? I'd give it a three and a half. It is definitely a space opera. Um, art was really cool. It was crazy seeing the giant T-Rex pop out at the start. Like, when I read the start of that, and it said, millions of years ago before... Uh, before the Earth that you know it or whatever the, the start that was, I definitely wasn't expecting dinosaurs at all, even though I probably should have been. But yeah, and the guy came out riding the T Rex, and later there was the pterodactyls in the air and everything with them. 
is cool. It's like a really crazy mix of space stuff and dinosaur stuff, it looks like, so. Indeed. Alright, well, yeah, I'd say, I have to watch out for the next, I mean, like, like, like the boy said, it, the art is great in it, and as far as, like, setup's concerned, the first issue is pretty good, so. I'm interested to see where it goes. Again, it's a seven part, so. Timeline wise, we got a, a end goal already. But as far as books are concerned, I think it'll be an interesting ride getting there. Um, so let's move on to Superman number 51. Uh, Ross, you want to tell me a story about Superman? Yeah, so this is Superman 51, like you just said. Right. Part one of the League of Supermen, I believe is what the arc is called. Uh, the Super League is for Super League. Forged. Yeah, Super League is what, it, what I was thinking. Or, uh, right. in, or in the heart of the sun. I don't know what they're going to go with calling it. Yeah. I want to say it's Super League because I think that's how the next book's no, noted also. Yeah. And something worth noting right off the bat, which is kind of awesome because they haven't done this for a while, but they actually put a number one in the Superman logo for the very first part of the... Right, like they did like they did crossover. prior to 52 to tell you what chapter it was. Yeah. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Um, written by Tomasi and artwork by Janine. And that's Peter Tomasi. Yeah, and is it's Mick Janine, right? I think so. I, I don't I don't remember that. Mikkel. Yeah. I'm... Mikkel. Yeah. Don't anyway, know. super awesome artwork, and uh, all super awesome writing. But we'll get there at that <laughs> point. Opens up with a pretty big, like kick right at the very beginning. Giant page of Superman's face saying, I'm dying. Um, dun, dun, dun. You see that he's in the Fortress of Solitude, and he's having all these crazy tests done on him while Crypto is sitting there watching him, which is awesome because I haven't seen Crypto in forever. So it's cool that he's still there and exists. Uh, basically, you find out that a combination of all the big events that have kind of been happening around Superman... So, between what's going on in Dark Side War, and Superman being put in the Kryptonite Room in Argus, and his fight with Rao in Justice League of America, they don't do, a, like, a, they don't, I, I'm sure this is on purpose, they don't give you, like, a timeline of which one of those things happened first. It's just a combination of all those is basically causing him to die. Um, and Superman's not very happy about it. He's kind of ticked off. But he's not necessarily ticked off that he's dying. He's ticked off that he's not going to be able to protect everyone yeah, when that, he's dead. That if he leaves or when he dies, there's going to be a, a hole in in the world that he would normally fill. Mm. To, to like right, the guy that sounded terrible. <laughs> <sighs> Basically, a gap in the universe that he fits in. <laughs> Is that better? I, yep. Okay. I, I hear what you're saying with your words, Rob, and it's dirty. <laughs> Which, it's funny to me that he's like that, because he's part of the Justice League, and you'd think that he would think, you know, between Wonder Woman and Batman and Cyborg and Aquaman, and that they would be able to kind of fill they his... They ain't no Superman, Ross. It's true. It, it's funny, I don't think it's an ego thing, but, I, like, he he really does take a lot of the responsibility of protecting the world on himself. It's true, and he does a, he does a ton, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um... But some really cool scenes in the Fortress of Solitude with him and Crypto, and then you find out that he's built a statue of Ma and Pa Kent in there as well. 
and as well as his Kryptonian parents, who have always been there. Um, from there, you skip to kind of a totally different thing in China, where this this uh, lady, I think she's trying to hack the Fortress of Solitude, basically. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. I imagine that's a fairly difficult thing to try to hack into. I, I would assume so. I mean, the last person we saw get into it was in pre-New 52, and that was Hank Hinshaw, I think. And that turned him into a robot Superman. Yep. Good job, guy. <laughs> um, and then you go back to Superman again, and he's like, well, enough of this being angry. There's work to be done, and Crypto brings him his, fla- his, uh, not his flag, his cape. <laughs> and Superman sets off to do Superman things like Catching planes and fighting giant robots and rescuing people, which is awesome. Well, what's cool to me is that it feels less like a montage and more like this is just what I did on my way to my next destination. Yeah, yep, and it's I I agree, but it's cool because it's like all the classic Superman kind of fights yeah. and stuff. Yeah, um, you find out the first place that he's going is to visit Lana Lang. Um, and he has some pretty bad news to deliver, obviously. But the big thing is that he wants her to bury him next to Ma and Pa Kent. Yeah. Um, Which was, like, good job. That was a heck of a good good writing, honestly. Like, it was, it was pretty touching. Anyway, yeah, he was, he was really good. Um, and his relationship with Lana is kind of crazy, because... I don't actually remember him really being around her much in New 52, but that that might just be me not it's, remembering it very well. It's funny because it wasn't established at the beginning of the New 52, but as you go further with Superman, they've gone back to this developing this relationship between Lana and, and Superman, and that he was, she was the first person that he confided to mm. in what his abilities were. Mm. And so like, they actually built up quite a bit of the... A new relationship with her in the new fifty two gotcha but it but it was kind of like in the middle of the series I see um, so uh, yeah, so that's the very first place he goes um, and then we have another kind of skip to China again, uh where lady was hacking the uh fortress of solitude let's see. She, and she uh, contacts. Does it say who she contacts? It doesn't say who she's talking to, but she basically says, All your dreams are about to come true to whoever she's talking to. And then we have another kind of crazy skip to somewhere in Minnesota where a guy is driving on the highway and he thinks he hits a guy and. We'll probably leave out what happens after that. He might be changed forever. Yeah. By a car hitting him. Yep. Hey, is it Stephen King? <laughs> Maybe. <sighs> I think that was a van, though, wasn't it? <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of the big cliffhanger there, and it's kind of not the end of the book, though. So I, I think the last part's kind of okay to say, because Superman and Lois Lane have had kind of a weird relationship, and between Lois Lane outing Superman as Clark Kent and all that crazy stuff. But Superman still goes to Lois Lane, and he basically tells her that he wants her to tell the story of Superman and Clark Kent to the world. Um, 
a really cool thing about that is it reminded me so much of the first Superman movie. Like yeah. how he shows up and waves at her and stuff. And But yeah, o- overall, really, really cool issue. Um, art is really, really good. Pete does a really good job of writing these kinds of th- issues that are really dialogue kind of heavy and relationship heavy and just really, really awesome issue. Um, I, I personally, I'd say it's my favorite Superman I've read in the new 52 so far. And it, ironically enough, this reminded me more of pre new 52 Superman than a lot of the stuff I've read recently, which is kind of funny that they were basically replacing him with pre new 52 Superman when rebirth comes pre new 52. Anyway, rating, I would give it probably a four and a half out of five. It's a really awesome issue. Right on. Cool. Um, Score-wise, you know, I, I give it a four also. I mean, book-wise, there's some interesting stuff in 50. It's hard to say what exactly this is going to lead to, and I don't know if I'll be happy with the end to it. I do like the connecting pieces with uh, everybody outside. I mean, because at this point, if he's dying, he's making connections to explain that or to I don't know it's like the the end of the line kind of speech so I I like that they're doing that that was pretty cool but depending on what, how they actually end it I may not be happy with the way they end up we got one more issue I guess so I guess we'll see what happens in 52 uh, but this one I give it 4 and Tomasi's awesome so I'm really glad we're going to have him writing Superman and hearing Pat working together again and Mick that whole team is awesome so um, that's for new New 52? No. Rebirth New 52 Superman. No New 52. No New 52. Just Rebirth. It's a Rebirth. Anyway, uh, Rob, score for the book. You know what? I'd, I'd follow Ross on this. I'd give it a 4.5. I, I really, really enjoyed this issue. I felt like it was very important to Superman. It didn't quite clear up anything that was going on with the previous storyline with Truth, unfortunately. But if if you were to give like one book to Nolan and to Zack Snyder so they could figure out how to do Superman, it's this book. Hmm. They need to read this one because this, it's everything that is that Superman really stands for. Yep. It, it's his anger over not being able to protect more people. He's, he's not, angry because he can't be more selfish. Not his anger selfless. at people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, he's, he's angered, you know, and, and that, you know, the important thing to him in his life isn't to... Make sure that the Fortress of Solitude doesn't fall into anybody's hands. It's like when he's buried next to Mom and Pa Kim. Mm. You know, it's it, it's a lot of his values, and I don't think it comes off corny. I no. think it comes off as like the quintessential Superman. Mm-hmm. And I, as as not being a huge Superman fan, have always found the Lana Lang relationship weird. Because I, I, in my mind, I linked her with Lois. I had all sorts of problems with that. Mm. And so, like, the New 52, it was nice that they separated that, and I got to actually check it out from the beginning. Mm. Um, and so I've liked the relationship that they built. It would be cool if she was in the stories more, but when they started using her, they actually did a good job of that. But I, I, I really think, like, this is... It, it's it's Superman as he should be presented, mm-hmm. and it's just too bad that it is maybe the end of the road for this Superman. But yeah, it kind of figures that they finally got him the way I feel like Superman should be, and it's probably getting towards the end of his line. You know, honestly, there, there was things that they changed that I thought were good, mm-hmm. and there was things that obviously weren't. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't think he's ever, I don't think that New 52 Superman has ever gotten as crazy as movie Superman recently has gotten. But there's definitely been some things of like, really, I don't think Superman would be that way, but yeah. maybe that's just me too. Another interesting thing is, it's crazy that if they're killing him, they're not doing it in like a big... I mean, they might still have a big all-out battle thing, but that it's something that he sees coming and is preparing for. And I was like, this kind of sounds familiar to me. And I wasn't thinking about it, but after doing some research, it's All-Star Superman. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of that same story, but, I mean, it's not. It's not going to be the exact same, obviously. Well, but. As, lo- as long as he doesn't go over and start tending to his pet son. <laughs> yeah. My son forged, and he starts hanging out with Hercules and Achilles and... I think this will be, like, the better way to do that, because from what I've heard from write-ups is that it's him trying to find the Super League, which is basically the people that he can rely on to take care of Earth while he's gone. Hmm. Or after he's gone. Yeah. Meh. Well, right then. Apparently, Rob doesn't think Hercules or Achilles should be part of that. <laughs> well, is Hercules and Atlas, wasn't it? That were the... Something like that. Whatever, Ross. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of All-Star Superman. I'm sorry, Tim. I know it's going to make you hate me even more. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. I, I like it just fine. I like the stuff of Bizarro, but uh, <laughs> not much of the rest of it. All right. Well, on that note, let's move on to Poe Dameron. <laughs> Poe Dameron. That's a name you can't get tired of saying. I don't, maybe you can. I don't know. <laughs> Poe po Dameron? Poe Dameron. Dameron. All right. I use it like a curse word. That's why I like it. <laughs> exactly. I stub my toe, but I'm like, Poe Dameron! See? It worked, <laughs> worked on multiple levels, Ross. Multiple levels. Rob, tell us a story about Star Wars Poe Dameron. Um, Mr. Phil Noto doing the art, which is fantastic. Yes. And Charles Soule writing. Which is also fantastic. Yep. yep. Can I point out something on the cover? Really yeah, quick, Ross, go before on. Before we start. So the, just the regular cover for it, this this book I'm sure had all kinds of crazy variant covers. There were a few. But uh, the regular cover for it shows Poe Dameron and um, his fleet, basically, his squad that he teams up with in the book. And he's got some pretty cool ships, and it took me a minute to notice this, but he's got his black and orange X-Wing, which is awesome. And then the other three Resistance X-Wings. But then if you kind of look off the side, there's an A-Wing on the cover here. Which is way cool because A-Wings weren't in Force Awakens at all. But they were in Return of the Jedi, so it's kind of a sweet tie-in there. And it's kind of a callback. I mean, this, in this book we were talking about earlier, it connects to the Shattered Empire miniseries. Yeah, and I think we'll find out about that in here in a couple minutes. But I just right. wanted to point out how cool it was seeing all those ships on the cover like that. Mainly because I just noticed it before we started. So, <laughs> And and Poe Dameron's kind of a different sort of hero. Uh, he's not, you know, I mean, it's easy to throw him in and be like, oh, he's Han Solo, but he really isn't. He's He's very much a fighter pilot that has kind of a... A sharp mouth, you know? And what I kind of like about Poe is that he kind of acts like he wants to be friends with everyone. Like, before he before he's all about fighting, he's like, hey, let's be buddies. It's not like, break out the gun very first and hope that people listen to him type thing. Mm-hmm. But you, you get um, you get some really cool fighter pilot stuff 
at the beginning of this. And it's kind of mm-hmm. told in a disjointed sort of way. So we get us some cool fighter pilot flying and, and mission stuff with Poe. And we find out that Poe is very much a risk taker. And he's all about, you know, kind of his luck seeing him through a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as the typical X-Wing pilot, he doesn't listen to his droid who tells him he can't do things. Yeah. Um, but overall, what we kind of find out is that Leia knows that the First Order is looking for Luke Skywalker. And, you know, I, I guess spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. I'm sorry. But stuff happens. <laughs> You've had time movie. to see the movie now, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, so she she knows that, you know, they're they're looking for him. She also has gotten intel that this wanderer that they had thought was dead may have his location. And because of that, I mean, because of his extensive wanderings throughout the galaxy, he may be the only one who has a good idea of where Luke might be. So they need somebody to physically go find him and try to find this information from him. Poe winds up being sent on that mission. And much like we saw in some of the Dark Horse stuff actually before this, the Rebellion, like the Rebels, is worried about spies and stuff in their midst. So it's not like you can just get him on the holophone and talk to him. You need to send somebody physically to him. Mm. Well, then they talk a lot about how he's, being that he's a random space traveler type, like he's kind of a vagabond of all planets. I mean, the dude's an explorer, so they don't actually know where he is. Like, they have an idea from a, a, an image they got from a piece of data, but they don't actually know where he's at. Mm. So they have uh, Poe make his four-person team to go and try to get this information, and, and we kind of get, like, a lot of the cool characters from the new movie. So we get Snaps, Wexel, um, Kira Kuhn, um, Jess Prava as all pilots that are going to be with him, and then, of course, Lelu, yep. who's uh, the pilot from Star Wars Journey of the Force Awakens, Shattered Empire, the A-Wing pilot, coming over and kind of tying these two series together, which is kind of cool because he doesn't mention it, but doesn't he know Poe's mom? Yeah. Well, and actually, they, they say in the story, uh, he says that, I've been fighting since Endor, why? Yeah. Well, they talk about him doing that and that the snap had been around since Jakku. So, like, they kind of put some placement of how long these guys have been around and what they've been doing and that they have some experience before this point. And it's cool because I was uh, was talking to you guys before this, but Snap actually came from a book that came out before Force Awakens came out. And we didn't realize that that Snap, like, it was the same character until they connected it later. But, uh... He says, I was only 16 in the Battle of Jakku, because he was like a little kid, right, after Return of the Jedi, and yeah, just cool continuity between the Star Wars novels and the comic book. Yeah. Um, so as, as we get further into this mission, basically we find out that Poe Dameron was the only one who could pilot, or the only one who did pilot a ship into this kind of crazy cave system, and he winds up finding where they'd gotten that transmission picture from, which winds up being this kind of cave-dwelling system that kind of worshipped this giant egg. Hmm. And uh, in his attempt to make peace with them, he winds up finding out that they may have been followed. And so to get them to help him, 
he's going to wind up having to defend this egg against somebody who, or something that may be tracking his division. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, great story. Really well done. It kind of it's going to shed some light on characters that we didn't get much information of in the film. And honestly, we knew that Poe was going to be important in this story. I'm kind of glad that we're actually going to get some light shed on the old man that that gave us, you know, Luke's location. Yeah, because he's supposed to be important, <laughs> and he's there, and then he dies. Yeah, I think it was kind of funny because in the movie, I think at least most of us had the idea that he was someone that we should have known who he was when he showed up in the movie. Just because everyone else treated him like, oh yeah, he was the old guy that knew Luke Skywalker. We should know exactly who that is, but we actually didn't. It'll be cool to have. Yeah. And the only real information they give to us in this is that he's evidently gone to all of these sacred uh, Jedi sites. So mm-hmm. uh, his like They don't just say Jedi sites. It's, they say that he's basically what he visits when he searches for in the galaxy are places of... Uh, religious significance because okay. they, they don't they don't say just they, she does say Jedi, sites, Jedi sites but she also talks she, when she's talking about that she also talks about how he's visited a bunch of religious sites too so I assume that probably means Sith as well that was I mean it's hard to say what exactly that means but she doesn't just say Jedi temples she includes the Jedi temples in the statement so yeah. so she being Leia Organa yeah so, 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 oh sorry go ahead <laughs> so it's hard to hard to kind of say, but in other material that talked about this guy from Force Awakens, uh, you find out that he was part of a religious group that worshipped the Jedi way before the Clone Wars. So he wasn't actually a Jedi, but he followed their ideals, basically. And it makes sense anyways for his journey to lead him to these people that worship this egg thing Mm. because of it being a significant find. But yeah, he's pretty much just classified as an adventurer. So Mm. it'll be cool to figure out more about him. But the other thing is with this cast of of starfighters, I don't think everybody's going to make it out. So we'll see. But I I, I don't know. For for this book, I'd, I'd I'd give it a four. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Miss Ross, I would give this book probably a four and a half. I'd say it was a really good introduction to to Poe as a character and how he kind of worked with Leia and and what he was doing prior to Force Awakens. Um, what's interesting is this isn't a miniseries; is that it's supposed to be an ongoing book. Um. And so I'm hoping that after this initial story, that we can kind of go back and see stuff in his past. Like, supposedly he was a Republic, part of the Republic Army before he joined the Resistance. So it would be kind of cool to see some of his backstory after this initial run is done. We may get parts of that as we go, I guess. Yeah. But uh, overall, it was a really cool issue. There was a crazy little backup story in there, too. Which was we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. (laughs) With good good reason, we don't talk about that. It it wasn't something meant to take it serious, but is is a pretty funny little story. So, (laughs) yeah, that to look forward to. Good luck. (laughs) Uh, So, story wise, main story, uh, I give it a four. Also, it's pretty fun. Um, We'll see. We'll see how long it runs. I mean, as far as 
all the other Star Wars books, Saber Empire, or no, sorry, Saber, Darth Vader, and Star Wars, they've all been miniseries. And I think this one's probably geared that way, but we also had the last Padawan turn into a ongoing from five issues to 18. So it'll be interesting to see how long this runs and what they do with it. But as far as books are concerned, at least his first mission seems pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, I have to imagine that we run into the movie. Otherwise, what are you doing? But if they go back and they show some of the time from him before this, or maybe even some of this time when he was first becoming a pilot, it could be pretty interesting. As long as they get too far back to where we have him driving around T-16s and playing with stuff in the dirt. <laughs> I do think that you could get to a point, if it does go on this long, where the next movie could come out, and then you could kind of have a skip ahead to in between. Maybe I could, those I could, two I could see you doing a time jump. That'd be that'd be that'd be acceptable. Well, I have to imagine there's some, quite a bit between this mission and him actually finding our guy over on Jakku. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, so. this being the very first place he looked, and the very first place he looked, he's not there, and they're not sure where he went. So, I assume it's going to be like a chase for the for where we start the movie at in the. Yeah. Force Awakens? Yeah. Okay. I, I imagine so as well. And it'll be kind of cool to see him do some of these other landscapes. And since the first book does pretty good with the Starfighter stuff, I, mm. as long as I got Noto on it, it's going to look fantastic. So. Well, yeah, he's but he's just a really good artist. He it's, is. It's not exactly the same thing, but with where this book is going and seeing kind of the fighting, the like space fights and stuff in Shattered Empire. I'm really excited to see what that will look like in this book because I'm sure that we're coming on a point where that's going to start happening pretty soon. I'd so. be surprised if we weren't dealing with, with fighter jockeys, so yeah. if that doesn't happen, it'd be surprising, at least at some point. Well, that's enough Poe Dameron. <sighs> so, uh, let me move on to uh, the interview with Scott Koblish, uh, which was Silicon Valley Comic Con uh, this year, 2016. Uh, Scott, really cool guy. Um, so yeah, check that out. All right, so I'm here today uh, at Silicon Valley Comic Con 2016. This is Steve with Top Five Comics Podcast, and I'm here with Scott Koblish, uh, artist on Deadpool <laughs> for Marvel for Marvel Comics, right? <laughs> And most recently, you did, you just had the Giants as you come out, along with the movie, the 20th yes. anniversary book. That's right. Issue um, 7, yep. You've been doing the uh, variant covers also with the, the story covers. That's right. Um, I have a question I wanted to know, so the 2099 development here. Yeah. How much of that input-wise, is the character design entirely you, or is it, were you given suggestions, or were you told this? Oh, yeah. Um, well, as far as the character design, yeah, that's all me. I, I actually, I'd known about the character, we were working on the idea of the character last spring. So, uh, I kind of, I had a whole bunch of ideas, but I had to work on the X-Men 92 book uh, right. first, and that took up a lot of time. And uh, <laughs> it was enjoyable, I loved every minute of it, it just... By the time that I got around to doing the sketches that I had for Deadpool 2099, uh, uh, Gwenpool had come out. And Gwenpool was kind of okay. along the lines of what I was initially thinking for her design. So, uh, well, I realized once once that <laughs> Gwenpool thing, I was like, well, right. that's a hit. And, and, and it's exactly kind of, it's like the color scheme that I was thinking of. I was okay. thinking silver and pink. Right. And, um... So I kind of had to veer away from that, and then um, 
what I really focused on was, uh, you know, Deadpool has that symbol that's like a, it's like a bifurcated circle with the right. two eyes. So I kind of, I thought about slapping that on, um, on her chest, and I, I kind of folded it over her shoulders a little bit so that the two dots there are the the lights <laughs> on her on her chest there. And then um, for the mask, I thought uh, I wanted to reverse everything so that Deadpool's around his eyes are black and then I just reversed it so that it was around the red eyes were red and then uh, her face had kind of a, a heart shape to it so I just I leaned into that I thought that would be a great idea right right it's, so, got, a, it's got a cool contrast to it it's like yeah, a heart on her face yeah it does yeah yeah so there's a broken heart on her face basically so it, it actually works out it's good with the character there's all sorts of uh, emotional reasons for it so I was real happy with the design. It turned out great. Um, you know, so it's and it's a fun book too. It's, it's uh, we're we're doing it as part of um. So it's issue like 12, 18, 24 of the main book. It keeps going until we're about five or six issues in, and then uh, so it's a it's a it's a whole story arc within the book within the narration of the regular book as well. It's an so, arc inside of an arc. Yes, it's an arc inside okay. of an arc. So that. And it ties in heavily with the stuff that we're doing over the next couple of years on Deadpool. So I'm very excited about it. It's, it's well, good. Well, it's awesome, man. Like you were saying earlier, prior to us starting, yeah. <laughs> the whole groovy Deadpool thing and the him in the past trying to make us believe that he's been around forever, this is like a contrast to that because now it's the future. Yes, this one's the future. So it's, uh, yeah, it's set in the year 2099, which is uh, it's a, a, like a Marvel thing. Right, they right, use 2099 yeah. stuff. And uh, it's set in the year 2099, and it's Deadpool's daughter, but it's not the daughter that you think initially, because Deadpool currently has a daughter named Ellie right. in the main book, and uh, um, this is not Ellie. So this is Warda. <laughs> Warda is the daughter of um, Shikla and Deadpool, and uh, we do not know exactly what happened to Ellie but it might have been really bad. Wow. So. <laughs> I imagine something might be revealed later on. Yeah, that's it. There's a lot of there's a lot of reveals and a lot of twists and turns throughout the arc. So I'm really looking forward to it. That's awesome. Well, she's gotten really popular. I mean, at this point, we've had at least one second print for the issue. And character-wise, there's all this talk on the Internet about how they want to go ahead and pull the 2099 book. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. yeah. Yeah, you never know. These things take off, and they have a right. life of their own. Sometimes they they take flight. Sometimes they don't. You just you throw it out there. You hope that everybody likes it. You right. Know? You hope something sticks, and then you work with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm really I'm real happy with the book. So it's, well, it's uh, been fun. Uh, so again, another character, uh, El Massacre. Yes, uh, Massacre. Yeah. So Massacre. Apparently, in some of the Spanish-speaking markets, uh, I don't know which ones exactly, but uh, Deadpool had been so they translated they, they instead of calling him Deadpool they called him Massacre so uh, uh, the editor and the writer they, they thought that was really funny so you know we were when it came down to, to coming up with the characters for uh, the heroes uh, we can't call them heroes for hire the mercs for money there you go um, the idea was to have I think Mike Hawthorne had done the design for that and uh, I thought it was really great it's a, it's a sort of a do-it-yourself Deadpool from Mexico, so, and uh, he has some ties to Deadpool uh, that'll be revealed at some point. But, but uh, yeah, it's well, good. Fun. Good to know. Good yeah, to yeah. know. That issue three point one, crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, 
You know, it's funny, it's all in Spanish. Right. We actually had to write it out in English and then <laughs> translate it into Spanish. And everyone got a crack at it at Marvel. Like, uh, um, there's a lot of Spanish-speaking folk at, at, at Marvel, and everyone was like, no, 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 you should do it... Uh, you know, you should do it, uh, uh, this should be the translation for this. And then they would argue and they would go, no, no, this is the translation for that. So, like, uh, worked out pretty good. Well, there's a lot of idioms, like, in particular kind of things, to, ways to say th something. So even if, like, like for instance, uh, the Jade Skull okay. uh, was the villain in that one. And then uh, I think, like, there's a whole bunch of different words for head and skull. Okay. So, like, they were arguing about it with up to the to the last minute or two. I think Mike Hawthorne put his foot down on that one and, and was like, uh, Cranejo. I think it's Cranejo. Anyway, so, but it's all in Spanish. And then they're they're going to release an English version right. of it. So We did see that show up in the Diamond yeah, Previews, yeah. like, maybe this, either this month or last month. I'm happy about that. When I, I signed at a, at a store and... Uh, uh, someone came, the, this poor guy came back in and he's like, I think I got the Spanish version instead. And I was like, they're all in Spanish, sorry about that. But um, I took high school Spanish, so I kind of, I could follow along. Well, there's pieces in there, depending how versed you are. Yes. There are pieces in there. But yeah, we, at the store back in Junction, or in Colorado. Sure. We had a few that had the same question yeah and I, no 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 they're all that way yeah uh, what what i would suggest for people to do is you can get um uh on your phone you yes. can get a google there's google translate it's, it's amazing really neat, right yeah yeah so yeah so it's it's not completely impenetrable no. and uh you know i'll learn spanish too <laughs> it's a it's a romance language i think you'll love it you know? <laughs> right right so learn as you go kind of thing learn as you go hey, never too old to learn a new language you know it's awesome so, <laughs> so uh, in comic books in just in general i know you i from what i've read yeah. you started out as, as an intern or doing the uh the the one of the programs where you were yeah, interning, right? Yeah, well, it was a Remeter Raider, so right, it was okay. the Raider program. Uh, we were like one step up from intern, but, you know, it's not a high rung. <laughs> <laughs> all so, right, all right. But, uh, yeah, I worked for John Remeda Sr. Uh, in that position. So John was great. Uh, the, a lot of Raiders uh, have gone on to greatness as well. So Kevin McGuire was, was a Raider. Um, uh, Don Hudson. There's a whole bunch of people that were Raiders. So Keith Williams. There's a great, great tradition. Uh, All right. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I work. That's how I got my foot in the door. I, I got into work. It's an art corrections job. So if, um, like, let's say, let's say Spider-Man's foot is drawn wrong, they oh, call us in I and, and I'll, I'll redraw it. You know. Okay. So, so yeah. touch touch-ups. Yeah, okay. touch-ups. Some some were more substantial than others, but yeah, yeah. It was sure. always some. Some costume change or some some narrative change or you know like this you know this thing is wrong and you know we needed to draw do a new background or something like <laughs> right, that. Right. Okay. So it, was, it kept us on our toes and it was nice to see how the office worked. I think for freelance it's been really important for me to see how how things work so that you know what what it's all like when you're at home. Sure. What to expect and whatnot. Yeah, you know what well, and plus you get to do a lot of different things that way too, outside your comfort zone, probably. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, and also it's good to know. I mean, the the offices are a big bundle of stress. You know, everyone's sure. trying to get uh, like a ton of books out in a very short amount of time. <laughs> right. So you know. So yeah, there's Marvel puts out what like eighty five. So or, you know, its catalog is is thick. Yeah, yeah, it's like eighty five <laughs> a month. So you yeah. know, and then then we have Secret Wars, and there's extra. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, secret. Well, yeah, exactly. And there's the trades and right. all that well, stuff. Right. Well, you know, so. yeah. So there's always a lot of work to be done. That's yeah, which is good. Busy, right. Right. So, um, so was there a point? When did you decide that this is what you wanted to do? Was there, yeah. Do you remember reading a book or was there something you were just like, you know what, I want to do comics. That's what I want to do. Uh, when I was a little kid, yeah, I wanted to draw comics. I found out that you could draw comics. I was drawing them all the time. And right. then the, I was lucky enough that there was, a, there was a college that was near me when I was growing up in New Jersey that's called the Kubert School, oh, the Kubert School for okay. Cartooning and yeah. Graphic Art. And uh, I would go there for the Saturday classes and Joe Kubert himself would teach the classes and... I would sit there and I would make fun of Joe because <laughs> I was a 10-year-old kid, you know. But, um, you know, he really drilled into me, like, what was possible for me to do with my art through my life. So I really owe him a great, uh, uh, a great debt. But, uh, you know, he, he, he helped uh, sort of lead the way. You know, he, he, he was a working professional and he was really good at it and he knew what he wanted to do and... Uh, you know, he he was always challenging himself and challenging others to do better for themselves and artwork and That's it, awesome. you know. So that, I was really lucky to have him in my life. So you know, and then I uh, I went to the School of Visual Arts for in Manhattan for the for college, uh, and you know, Will Eisner was there and. And that was great too. So man, you know, so a whole whole bunch of uh, legend types. Yeah, I guess it's that's true. Really, you really know, cool. it's funny because like uh, they were all still alive well, <laughs> back when back when I went, and, yeah, sure. and it's weird to have them pass on because sure. uh, it kind of drives home the the fleeting nature of uh, of life. You know, like just how 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 much time do you have, and what do you want to do with it? So sure. it's really important for you to just kind of you choose the passions, the things that you love to do. And you really just try and make that work as best you can. So, I don't know. That's what I owe to those guys. So. That's awesome, man. That's really awesome. It's a little lighter. Uh, <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's, that's great, Scott. I appreciate that. So, if you were stranded on a desert island, okay. what five items would you take with you? Oh, boy. Can be people also. Can be people also? Uh, there's plenty of people I want to take. But, uh... No, five items, you know, I would need, you know, like a rain bucket, you know what I mean? Something to sure. capture water with, and then, uh, I don't know, some, like a net to catch fish, you know, <laughs> and then um, uh, uh, some sort of flint or lighter to, to make a fire. Sure. Um, but I, I would just shoot for all the practical things, you right, know, because, yeah, practical. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh,. Yeah, and then I would sneak as many people that I love in, in with me. So, <laughs> right on, very good. Um, if you lived in Fantasyland, yeah, would you ride a chocolate pony? Oh, of course, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you worried about it melting? Uh, no, uh, it would melt, but that's you're in Fantasyland, so everything melts in Fantasyland. That's a very good point. Very good point, sir. Well, appreciate you taking time, Scott. That's yeah, awesome. Sure, thank you very much, and good luck on the trip back. You know, enjoy yourself while you're. We got here. a good, good 14 hours driving, so right. should be fantastic. Well, everybody owes you. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, do you want to try doing a, something you learned? Sure. So, Rob, what'd you learn? I learned that Steve Trevor tastes terrific, and he stinks a little bit like Final Crisis. Well, there you go. 
<laughs> Man, that's a mouthful. Uh, Ross, what did you learn today? I learned that T-Rexes can wear luchador masks. That's, uh, that is a very true statement, sir. They don't fit great, but at the same time, it's awesome. Uh, so what I learned, Rob? Uh, you learned that bodyguards that can't be 30 feet from the princess know how to do epic crotch kicks. That's true. And that's a hell of a distraction. It is a hell of a distraction. It is epic. Oh my god, it's awesome. There's very few epic crotch shots in comics. I'll give you one for Spider-Man Uppercut in the Hulk. That was a cover. Awesome. <laughs> that still lives in infamy. <laughs> Forever. For, for me especially. Man, that's great. <laughs> Alright, let's do some books to watch. Uh, Ross, you got some books to watch? Yeah, Future Quest is coming out here really soon. Right. And it sounds like it is going to be super awesome. I'm really excited for that. Um, on top of Future Quest, we do have Scooby Apocalypse also coming which I out. Which I think will be fantastic. Which should also probably be pretty awesome, especially... I certainly I hope so. Especially if the monsters are, like, super crazy and creepy looking. I'm excited about that. Uh, regular books, Aquaman has become something really, really cool again. So, if you were kind of thrown off by the weird, uh... What was it? The, uh... It's kind of stuff. I don't remember what it was oh, called. Oh, the culling? Yeah. No, culling was, was something that was connected to the Teen well, Titans. The Teen Titans. That's uh, right, too. sorry. It was the Charles Soul run. Anyway. Previous was, Aquaman. Yeah. Previous Aquaman threw you off. He's kind of back to being more classic Aquaman, doing stuff on land and having crazy ambassador things with Atlantis and uh, the regular world. And Yeah, it, it's a really cool book. So, so it kind of feels more like the Jeff Johns stuff. Yeah, okay. getting a lot of cool support characters that are being fleshed out more and awesome. Uh, so that, and then even though Robin, son of Batman, isn't Cat anymore, it's still been pretty sweet, so I checked that out too. Right, and nothing else, we're going to get to the end of that guy, and we'll have, there'll be two volumes of it. And Story-wise, yeah, they haven't been doing bad. Like, the, the guy's finishing up, uh, man, I, the name is there oh, I now. I should know it. I can't Dude. remember his name. Ray Fox. Yeah. Uh, doing pretty good, too. Uh, so, it's kind yeah. of, I imagine that's kind of a hard thing to follow, just because that's like Pat's creation, basically. Pretty much. But, uh, but yeah, Ray Fox seems to be doing a good job. My last one is Superman, Lois and Clark, yes. I think it's called. And it's obviously leading into uh, Rebirth as well, and it will connect with the Super League. But even prior to that, it's been a really, really cool story. So, yeah, it out. it's been pretty good. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show before, but it's it's pretty good. Well, Rob, you got some books to watch. Um, of course, Bo Dameron. But um, another one that is is close to the Superman stuff is going to be the Superman American Alien, which has been a fantastic miniseries so far. Um, I really think that Steve Rogers Captain America is going to be fantastic. And here pretty soon we're going to be having the Thunderbolts with Bucky on it, uh, or the Winter Soldier, which I think should be really good. Um, I still think Nova's been fantastic, and surprisingly enough, Spider-Man with Miles Morales blowing me away. Nice. Way better than I ever expected it to be. I, I really didn't follow him in the Ultimates, so super happy with him now. But keep an eye on what's going to happen with Superman. It's going to be something that... I think it's going to be very important to DC for a while. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Um, book wise, let me see. Well, I'm going to say Doom Patrol. 
but just because I'm a fan of of the previous Umbrella Academy stuff. I like the Doom Patrol characters too. It'll be interesting to see Flex Metallo as a main character in it because Flex is a weirdo. Another Grant Morris creation. Uh, but yeah, as far as that stuff, I think some of that stuff will be interesting. The Cave Carson story, I think, will be great. Uh, is Michael Lee Von Elming doing the art for it? And occasions of take or leave him. Like, yeah. he's not, he's not horrible, but he's not a lot of Dark Horse stuff. Um, so, the guy's been around, but I'm interested to see what that is, uh, as far as stories are concerned. I think, uh, The Wacky Race, I think, will be interesting to see too. Uh, another DC Hanna-Barbera book. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we have, uh, Rebirth coming up at the beginning, or the end of May. Not Rebirth. Yeah, Rebirth. Yeah, Rebirth. Coming at the end of May, so that'll be interesting. Um, I'm more interested now to see the new Green Lantern than I was before, because before I scoffed at her. And now I'm a little more interested, thanks to this Justice League book. So, I'm going to say Green Lantern with Rebirth. Uh, just, uh, you know. There is one I almost said, but I knew you would pick it up. What? The Rough Riders. Oh, yeah, Rough Riders. First issue that came out this last week. Very League of Extraordinary Gentlemen style. Uh, just because we're dealing with a, a group of ragtag, well, not ragtag, a group of uh, famous history types, like character-wise. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's so far pretty interesting. We've got the one book out. Um, uh, Teddy Roosevelt saves some folks from a fire. It's kind of freaking awesome. So, yeah, nice. I would say I'd say Rough Riders, for sure, from Aftershock Comics. Uh, they're still a little bit newer company. They have a few other titles that are pretty good. Super Zero, I like. Uh, about a crazy girl, which we've talked about that one on the show too. It's a crazy girl that believes that she can become a superhero by forcing things to happen in her life, like superheroes. So you know, hire a guy to kill your parents to be Batman, things like that. Uh, but it's been fun. Like I, I do like that one. Uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, I feel like there was another one I was thinking of, but now like, it's. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't have it in my head anymore. Oh, Moon Knight. Oh, Moon Knight yes. coming out. Pretty happy to get back to Moon Knight. They put out uh, preview posters this last week, so not that we're a new image or anything, but it's a cool looking poster. So I'm pretty, it's pretty excited for that because the old Moon Knight's my favorite. Good, good stuff. He's crazy. Yes. You know, I like crazy. I think mean, yeah, that's all I got. I don't, I, I can't. I mean, the fit came out this week too, which Steve Lieber and uh, um, uh, shoot guy. Steve Lieber's doing the art for it, and it's Nick Spencer writing it. And I, it's it's bad guys doing bad things. Your hero is gonna be a bomb sniffing dog named Pretzel. Sweet. It's kind of a comedy book, a little bit. And both those guys worked on the uh, Superior Foes of Spider Man. So if you like that run, uh, it's coming out from Image, so I definitely give it a look. Yeah, that's it. Now I'm done. <laughs> Anything else? That's it. That's all you got, Ross. Yep. Key. Key. All right. Key. Oh, and, and Black Science and... uh Black Science <laughs> Black Science and Deadly, and Deadly Class. Class. Rick Remenders. If you didn't get a chance to read yeah, Rick Remenders, uh, what was the uh, Secret Wars book he did? How, How Hydra? Oh, okay, if, if, yeah. you, if you didn't get to read that four-part, you really missed out. Was, was, it, was it Hell from Hydra? No, Hell Hydra. Okay. Hell Hydra. It's the... It, it, it's awesome. It's Rick, Rick Remender read it, wrote it, and it's, uh, it's a different version of... Uh, how things unfolded in the world. It's a Secret Wars book, so it doesn't fit anywhere, but it's awesome. So if you didn't read that, you missed out, but I'm sure it'll be out in trade soon. Mm. Okay, some more Tiki's. How are I Tiki? Taki. Shiitake mushrooms. Tacos.
Taco Tuesdays. There was a band called Taco. There was a band called Taco. You think that's what Deadpool's been talking about the whole time? The band Maybe. Taco? Maybe everyone's confused. But not the Ritz. I'm just saying. <laughs> 